and welcome to the Glacier Musical Podcast, the most insulting podcast in the business. Today, I am joined by somebody who I look up to, a major player, as I've once described him, in the heavy metal music journalism scene. A person who has given me so much support, spent time talking to me on his Instagram channel, even though I've got about uh, 17 and a half, re- had about 17 and a half readers, I don't even know how many people listen to these podcasts because I don't trust analytics, but I am thankful to be joined by a good friend of mine, somebody whom I have really gotten to know over the past year, uh, Keefe Chakas, which I asked him recently how to say that, of Ghost Cult Magazine. We're such good friends, I didn't know how to say his name. So how are you doing today, Keefe? I'm great. It's a made-up name, and I only trust analytics and nothing else. Uh, so you do not give the eye test, and you're going to go analytics on hockey. So Sometimes. So what you're saying is the Maple Leafs are going to come back and beat the Habs. Probably not. But um, uh, No, they, they lost, and the Habs have already won the next series. Then I'm but not paying attention. I'm very The tired. Maple Leafs did win day. every game via analytics. How do, You know, the Maple Leafs were dog shit for many years and then became a good team. This is what happens. My team was the laughing stock of all of hockey for many years, the New York Rangers. And then they won the cup after they imported 90% of the Edmonton Oilers. Except and the then Christy. three years later, the St. Louis Blues got the coach, imported yep. half of the the uh, the Rangers, including the Oilers. The only yes. problem was at that point, they were five years past their prime and they were old as dog shit rather than going, you know, they're getting a little up there. We, I think we set the record in 1997 for the most players retiring at once. I do remember that year and I remember those moves and I was like, hmm, this is not going to work out too well for them. But um, we had great, great hockey town, St. Louis. We, in, in the second round of the playoffs, we had on our top line, Shane Corson, mm-hmm. Wayne Gretzky. This is the starting lineup for, for the, you know, the second round of the playoffs. Top line. Shane Corson, Wayne Gretzky, Brett Hull. Defense, Chris Pronger, Al McInnes. In goal, Grant Fuhr. Now, you hear those names together, and I love Shane Corson, but not him. And you can only think to yourself, holy hell, Stanley Cup. That is, set, that is a minimum, and I'm going to quote the super fans from the SNL, minimum eight, Pete. The Bears. However, that was before Chris Pronger had found his game. That was uh, after Al McInnes had gotten old. Brett Hull, before he learned how to play in the playoffs, seriously. Uh, Wayne Gretzky didn't give two craps. And then we also had uh, Adam Creighton, Stefan Mateau, Brian Noonan. Oh, God, who else? Uh, Craig McTavish, Craig right McTavish. before retirement. Last helmetless player, I might add. Yes, that's right. And a thousand other really old sons of bitches that should not have been in the NHL. <laughs> they did but, have a very old team. I will say that Brett Hall will go down as one of the streakiest players I ever saw play the game in person. You know, Literally I will say from line to line. I don't know what his deal. I, incredible when he wanted to be. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to say it's unfair to say when he wanted to be because that's. I'm not in his body. I don't know what's going on. I'm not there. You know, shift to shift with the guy. But it just always seemed like he was literally one shift good, one shift shit every No, that, that is a blatant lie. It is terrible. And I'm going to tell the truth right now. Okay. And in fact, I read this in uh, <clears throat> the, the Blues Beat Writers book, 100 Things Every Blues Fan Must Know Before They Die, last night or the night before, I forget. Brett Hall would be completely invisible for most of the game until he wanted to score a goal. So it wasn't like every other. No, he would just be like, eh, we're down by one money now. Us. The Rick Nash syndrome. The dude, this Brett Hull, in my humble opinion, is the greatest natural goal scorer of all time. Wow. That is quite a, a claim. Now, he never had the cast of characters that talk about just his ta- talent by himself. Nobody yes. around him. Correct. Put the puck in the net, skate. You not know, skate just his p- ability to shoot yeah just he is the greatest natural sniper he, his ability right. to score goals was amazing he scored over he's number three on the list without ever trying he did not put the effort in that how or gretzky or messier or shanahan did he just 
Yeah. But anyway, mm. moving on, this is, you know, we're, we're I am always willing, a willing this, uh, conversant when it comes to hockey. But what I wanted to discuss with you first, before we get to the Glacially Musical first, Glacially Musical podcast first, a topic. Um, and, and I don't know what number episode this is because I'm that guy. But when I was in Florida last week, you had mentioned gator jerky. And you specifically yes. said it could not be purchased at the stores. It had to be purchased at a roadside seller. And that in my, my hand, opinion. in you my hand, jerky. in my hand, I have gator jerky. They're very liberal with the term. And I have not had any yet. Oh, no. We're really going to have it first now on the show. Is yes. So uh-huh. that means- Your restraint is incredible. I ate all my gator jerky before the plane took off. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't in a plane. I was in a car. Oh, that's right. We flew. Uh, we don't when fly I was, anywhere unless we have to. I got you. I was in uh, my gator jerky experience was at Spooky Empire 2018. This was at uh, the Florida Citrus Center, which apparently is a chain, not just one citrus center. Oh, my God. It smells like every other sausage that looks just like this. <laughs> not remarkable. Let's see what he thinks, everybody. Nick is eating the jerky. I am literally eating gator jerky right now. Dried gator flesh in somebody's backyard. I, I don't no, I don't believe there's any gator in this. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> no, not good at all. I didn't say that. It tastes like ostrom. You ever had ostrom? No. He's gonna wash it down with a brew. What are you oh, drinking? Yeah, I got my, my Voodoo Ranger IPA. I also brought back <laughs> a case and a half of Yingling. And I brought back uh, four Southern craft brews. Mm. Uh, I, and I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I haven't spent a whole lot of time south of the Mason-Dixon line, but I didn't think that amazing high quality craft beer would have been an Alabama thing, but I'll be damned. Uh, I have brought back like four amazing beers from Alabama. I have heard that Alabama has very good beer and very good, you know, good people, good beer, good food. Now, and, I, and I'm not insulting the South. It's like Mexico. We were talking about Mexico off air. And there's not great beer down there because you're not going to want to drink a double IPA in 120 degree weather in Cancun. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. That's when you need a piss water lager that you can drink 15 of. Cold and legit. Cold as hell. But... I am amazed. My favorite so far that I've brought back is a uh, Terrapin Brewing Hopsecutioner. It has the most metal, accidentally, <clears throat> most metal can. Oh, I just I had a can of it, but apparently I've already recycled it. Sorry. Uh, it's got uh, a turtle beheading hops in a guillotine. That's so incredible sounding. Uh, it's a good beer too. It's I'm gonna have to look this image up because I think it's. Um, but anyway, tonight. No <clears throat> sorry, sorry. I I am willing to get off topic because I hate topics. But today, you know, this is different than the the DMA where we actually discuss something and try to stay on topic. So mm. let's see how long we can last. Okay. Today, I would like to discuss the live album, more specifically, bands that amazing bands that don't have that classic live record. When I think of the, a live album, the first thing that comes to mind is, is Kisses Alive. That is, in my humble opinion, the best live album. Is it live? No, uh, no, we all know it's not. But it sounds like you're at the concert. So that's where it succeeds. And then I think of bands like, you know, we both love Pink Floyd to an unnatural extent. And, Pink Floyd does not have a classic live album, in my opinion. They don't even have a good one, really. I mean, and I, I have all the all of them, but Nebworth. And I mean, I I spent the way too much money on uh, Delicate Sound of Thunder, which I didn't even want. I bought it. I have it, and I'm probably going to buy Nebworth when I don't know what to buy, even though I don't want it. And I bought Pulse. I listened to Pulse quite a bit over the last summer, but there is no like. For a band that was so amazing live, they never did one. I hear you. Uh, they didn't do one with Roger together all at once, like in the classic lineup. 
Um, I am quite fond of my pre-animals era live vinyl that I don't have here with me where I'm currently located, but uh, I did it on a ghost cult as a mailbag and the ghost cult weekly ritual news show a while back in the fall. And uh, it's gorgeous. It's on gorgeous, deep pink vinyl. Of course it is. Pig pink. Of course. But it was like the tour before they went and did animals. So there's no actual animals track. Maybe like raving and drooling is on there, which was right. uh, um, cheap, cheap. Um, but yeah, um, it's true. They are one of the. If you want to talk about the the pantheon of greatest bands, and they don't have an iconic live album. Zeppelin has "Song Remains the Same," also not quite live. You, um, wait, you think "Song Remains the Same" is iconic? I think the the reputation of it is iconic. I don't think okay. it's, I don't think it's an iconic recording. Uh, Zeppelin has a million. I mean, Nebworth seventy nine and seventy seven. Uh, there's also a Seattle in the seventy seven uh, run when they were drugged out and fucked up, and they were just brilliant on stage. Uh, Nebworth seventy nine, when the band was kind of disintegrating, is also an incredible testament to a band holding on by a string and pulling it off wonderfully. Um, I watched videos of that, and I am amazed that Jimmy Page walked off that stage. How, how could he stand, let alone play guitar like a god? Um, and by walk off that stage, I mean wake up the next morning. Yeah, he should not be alive. Um, and, you know, um, and I think emotionally, Plant was pretty spent. I know physically he had had a couple of rough years with the car crash and the loss of the child. But, like, he emotionally, you could just tell he was so beaten uh, you know, like, I'm over this shit. I want to go do the next thing. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, Zeppelin. And then we got later on How the West Was Won, which is an incredible sounding live album. Uh, recorded also also not really live. Not really that live, but like the idea of it is bigger. Like everything, live-ish. Like everything with Zeppelin, the idea of it is bigger than the thing. Agreed. Um, Agreed. And I love Zeppelin more than most human beings. And I can play most of the early Zeppelin catalog on bass, or at least I used to be able to. And I could sing it when I was like 13 and <laughs> 12. But um, look, I love Led Zeppelin so much. I have the firm. Word. I love the firm. Radio. What? Um, no one loves the firm. I do. Uh, I don't think Jimmy Page loves the firm. He probably regretted it. Uh, Thin Lizzy is another band. Um, Live and Dangerous is a not bad album, but they that. were they were struggling. They never got to do a proper full U.S. tour. You know, they backed it up after uh, packed it up and went home after a few weeks. It was disappointing, which is too bad because I think if they had really gotten to do one go round in the states, they would be much. They would first of all, they are one of the greatest bands ever. But everybody would feel that way, not just me. They are just known for one song. They're like, uh, like three songs. The three songs everybody knows: Jailbreak, Boys Are Back in Town, probably Emerald or Cowboy Song. So four or five. I, I think you're overstating the impact of Emerald, a song I love, not the Ace Frehley slash version because that that is too dry drunk. Mastodon has a good cover of Emerald okay. with, with they did it in England with Scott. So that's you know. But amazing. keep in mind, the Boys Are Back in Town was used in 48 hours. Yeah, that's true. Oh, also, also, I guess "Whiskey in the Jar," which is like my least favorite song. That's known as that's that's only known as a song that Thin Lizzy did because Metallica covered it. Which, well, I don't know. I was, I don't know. I had a different experience than you growing up. Thin Lizzy was on the radio a lot in New York City. You're you're a you're a hair older than me, and you lived in how much? I'm going. I'm going with like 20 years because I want to believe that. Oh, it's not true. I, look, I I just dealing with severe existential crises on a daily basis. So well, I need everyone to be decades older than me. That I love. that's fine, buddy. Um, my soul is old. Um, my soul is also old. How about um, Aerosmith? But, Aerosmith doesn't have a great life. Hang on, hang on. I, I, before we get to that, um, you also lived in a city that was more open to different kinds of music than my city. And, you know, right. I still I live in St. Louis, as everybody knows. I've, I've lived in St. Louis ish at least all my life, and it will be until I, I we move probably to the East Coast. But one of the, the things about St. Louis is you know the flyover country things are real, regardless of how progressive and forward thinking the city is. Is 
And, you know, we didn't get Thin Lizzy on the radio. You know, I heard Thin Lizzy's music first because of 48 Hours. I was a huge fan of 48 Hours, which is something that I would not show my daughter now. And I watched it when I was seven. So just to throw that out there. And so it's, it's Thin Lizzy is an ama- was a truly staggeringly amazing band. I do enjoy Live and Dangerous. Uh, I question the actuality of that one to a degree like Alive. I question it that much. It's too good. It's it's too tight. I don't know. They were when they were on. They were one of the greatest bands ever, and they were one of the great. They are one of I the agree. greatest bands ever. And um, but even the greatest bands, even the greatest live bands ever, don't sound the same. Yeah, that's fair. That's very it's, fair. And that's why I prefer the I prefer the live sound to the studio sound because I prefer I prefer hearing the mistakes in it. But, I love the mistakes. I don't want them fixed. But yes, Aerosmith. I would argue that Classics Live and Classics Live Two are amazing, and no one's heard them. It they do completely lack the the Aerosmith, you know, members because uh, the vast majority of those albums are recorded by by with Crespo and DeFay. But they nailed it. What's the? Um, it's not. They didn't get a full album out of it, but there's like a live side that they put out. Like Big Ten Inch comes from that. Um, the live version of Big Ten Inch that everybody hears occasionally. I'm not um, They had a box set, Aerosmith, about 25 years ago called The Pandora's Box of box. Fire? Pandora's Box. Oh, Pandora's Box. I think Box of Fire is ACDC. No, Box of Fire... Box of Fire is Aerosmith. It is... Okay. Hang on, you know what? I'm gonna Google that because uh, the 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 one I am thinking of is it's not a box set like I oh, prefer. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking of Bonfire. You're thinking of Bonfire for Bond. Bon. Box of Fire easy. was the Columbia Aerosmith collection. Okay, that's interesting. I yeah. So so permanent. Uh, sorry, uh, Pandora's box. Funny enough, named was an ex- sort of expansive box set when Aerosmith kind of hit their big stride in the 90s and Columbia didn't have them anymore. So they were like, oh, let's put this big box set out for Christmas. And it's got their demos and all their album cuts and a lot of live stuff that's supposed to be on a live album they never put out. Their two covers. That's, I don't know if you can uh-huh. see this or not. Yep. But the, okay. the handle to open it the hit was, was a, a spent match. That's funny. I think I, I saw that on QVC, but it's I would have thought a prophylactic as a handle because oh, oh god, Blues Brothers. Not a used one. Not go there. Not a used one, but oh. um, Stephen, hey, and was, Jake. Stephen was probably barebacking it, and you know, barebacking it all the time. Anyway, it's a miracle that guy's alive. But um, miracle any of those guys from the seventies are alive. Did you just hear Brad Whitford? Like, so Aerosmith booked like they've been trying to do this fiftieth anniversary show, and look, like the end is coming for them. As a band, Stephen is uh, thinks he's a country pop star. His music is horrible. Joe can't stand up on stage without fainting or falling over with his heart problems. Uh, Joey, they say can't play, but he probably can play. It's more like they don't want him to play. Tom has beaten multiple cancers uh, and lived to tell the tale, including throat cancer. Don't smoke cigarettes, everybody. And uh, they rebooked their 50th anniversary show at Fenway Park. I would like to be there. Uh, that sounds amazing in Fenway Park in Boston. Aerosmith you know, in Boston, amazing. But there's a part of me that would love that because of the venue and you know the meaning. But Aerosmith has not been worth it for, for over time. 20 years. I mean, at, 20, at, yeah, that's you know, more I, than fair. 25 almost. I like honest. Nine Lives. Nine Lives. I love your phrase. I like Nine Lives like I like Load and Reload. <clears throat> there's a lot of good stuff there. And a lot of stuff that shouldn't have gotten there. Right. Uh, Taste of India is the jam off of Nine Lives. That's no, great, no, great Fallen in Love. Fallen in Love's good. Um, that Fallen in Love is a classic Aerosmith song in the way that Cryin tried to be a classic Aerosmith song and failed. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, it's the last, I think that's the last time I have not seen Aerosmith since the tour for Nine Lives. So I just, that's the only time I know, saw it. No interest in really seeing them ever again. But in Fenway Park for the 50th anniversary, I might want to. I would like um, to. And, ha- and the times I had seen Aerosmith, they were amazing. 
no pun intended at all. And so um, they don't have an actual official classic live album, and I would have no interest in a modern live album from them. Uh, they did I, a live album from the Nine Lives tour called A Little South of Sanity. Yes. Which I purchased. I, I Yeah, I had the CD. It was Columbia okay. House. It, it was okay. It, it had its it, Columbia. I probably got it at the same place. Sorry, Columbia House. I don't know how much money I owe you. It's I still owe you a penny, everybody. You, you go in for a penny, you're in forever. Oh my God. You just can't go. Because the problem is, is when you're 19 and broke, they you and they they've sent you 1500 collection notices and then you finally pay them the 15 bucks you owe them because back then we only made five bucks an hour before taxes so that represented an, an entire day's labor for that cd that was way right. too much and then they once you pay that 19 dollars, they're ready to send you again mm-hmm. and then you're like oh all right well and then they have a sale buy one get as many as you want at five bucks and then the next thing you know, you've got a bill for $50. And $50 to me now is three records on a good day. But I mm. also don't make $5 an hour. Right. And then they um, just they just sink you. They, they, it was insidious. Very fair. Very fair. Um, here's, here's an interesting one that we don't get to do anymore. So before live albums became de rigueur, right? They were... You had your live, they were always a thing, right? Pop, jazz, oh, yeah. country, they were live albums. They were, um, before before Alive, they were just that thing you did just to kind of get through. Sometimes back in the day, probably way before our time, if you went out on tour and you recorded from the soundboard, you mic'd the stage and came home with them, the tapes, and then you were in the studio, sometimes artists would try out songs first on stage. And then you weren't quite getting it in the studio. Then the producers would listen back to your road tapes, A, to get a feel of what's missing, and B, that's pretty good. We should just put it on the record just the way that is. That sounds pretty good. And that used to happen. There would be like a weird, you you listen now to an album like Big Brother and the Holding Company, and there's live tracks on there for some reason. Barry, we're in the studio, made a whole album, and their hand, and like a third of the album is like three or four live songs. If memory serves, and I only know this because I just bought that album like three weeks ago because i finally found it for five bucks so five bucks yeah i mean i also bought megadeth for 40 but you know which megadeth i'm sorry which uh, interestingly enough the first megadeth album i bought on vinyl is the same megadeth album i got first which is the very underappreciated because it deserves it this way uh so far so good so what my my favorite my favorite Megadeth album actually. Wow, you're the, sounding you're sounding like me, like in Diablo. The recording Slayer the is best. terrible. The recording quality is dog shit. The songwriting it, is stellar. Is it there now? I will say, Hook and Mouth is probably my, my second favorite Megadeth tune. Period. I will I will put up in my darkest hour against any I, song you know, from the Big Four. I can't I remember what's put on up that and, album. I yeah, Hook and Mouth, Liar, Mary Hook Jane. And mouth, very good. Mary Jane. 502, um, Set the World on Fire. Um, album is a banger all it's, the way it's through. Got, it, it, it's got some amazing, amazing yeah. moments. Chuck Beeler is not a good metal drummer and should not have followed Gar Samuelson. And, you know, he had all the good drugs. And Jeff Young is an incredible guitar player. And you know he was like stealing. He was like boning Dave's girlfriend, which is it's, it's an album. It's a Megadeth album with a one album lineup, which I I, I haven't I I don't have the Megadeth lineups memorized because it's like having the Black Sabbath lineups memorized, but like twice as bad. So I, I, I I'm assuming that's happened again. I don't know. But speaking of Megadeth, not talking about uh, recent contra- controversies. Uh, let's move on to metallica there's another band that doesn't have uh, a classic live album oh i might disagree here which one do you not love binge and purge i mean i would not call a box set a classic live album i love binge and purge let's back up okay and set the bar what is a true classic live album uh, obviously, as I said before, the first one would be Alive. 
that is well, like let's just create a criteria right now like what why is alive a great live album because it it is everything i love about the live concert experience encased on, on a home package is and it limited to you said a box set's a bad representation so it can't be a box can't a box be set is just a box set is financially exclusive that's fair so I as that much Vengeance Purge was the most expensive thing I ever bought until my Woodstock '94 ticket. Uh, in my whole life, at that point, I, I didn't buy Woodstock '94, but I will tell you, I bought Binge and Purge the week it came out. I my dumbass bought it at Sam Goody. I dropped ninety bucks on it, and this is ninety dollars, nineteen ninety four money. Yep, VHS tapes. Oh yeah, three VHS tapes because they couldn't fit San Diego under one under one tape. Mm-hmm. and three cds still i still have that set and yes i used the scary guy stencil as much as i could sure it, and it's and for the record that stencil sucked ass it was not made spray, well spray paint went right through it yeah really shit silver um, spray paint went right through it i i think that is an incredible live album if you just take the album seattle is perfect and i think like what they did was it was their mea culpa. They still hadn't beat. They're not the Metallica we know now at that point, right? Black Album is the biggest album ever at this point. Crossed over from heavy metal, from thrash to heavy metal to rock. And that Seattle is a mea culpa to fans. It's like, okay, if you jumped off the ship the minute you heard the first measure of Anna Sandman, you can still love us. Look at, what the, look at this thing we put out for you. We made this for you. And I thought that was great. And then the San Diego and Mexico City concerts are incredible. They're not, yeah, they're not greatly recorded, um, but they're, the performances are amazing. And let's just take a second and appreciate that, like, at a time after Enter Salmon, Sabatru, Unforgiven, and Nothing Else Matters become ubiquitous MTV staples, then Binge and Purge comes out and Creeping Death, Seek and Destroy, like Master of Puppets, Fade to Black. These become rotating video, live concert videos in regular rotation on MTV at dinner hour. Not at, at Bangers Ball, not at midnight and 2 a.m. At like 5.45 while Junior's eating a fruit roll-up waiting for lasagna, Creeping Death is on. I can on MTV. specifically remember. Uh, Creeping Death was not on MTV uh, that I recall. Uh, don't I could be mistaken. But I know they did um, a couple from San Diego, of course. Um, the single for Creeping Death was from San Diego. And that was, I remember hearing that on the radio. And I know they did For Whom the Bell Tolls and Fade to Black from Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I specific, and I, for the record, because nobody else can see this, I did pull out my, my Seattle 90 LPs that I, for the only reason I bought the Justice box set was to have that on vinyl. That's why I bought it. If, if it hadn't been for that, I would have bought the regular two things because I hadn't even listened to most or listened to and watched most of it. I wanted that. But I remember sitting in a chair in my stepdad's sister's house watching Fade to Black and my, uh, my, suit, my mother's boyfriend's brother-in-law. Uh, look, I come from a, a white trash family, so I apologize for the, all of this, but it, 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 it is what it is. And him looking at me going, wow, that is way too, that is way too much for me. And I looked at him and I went, but that's the ballad. Right. And I mean, it's, but yes. And that was like, you know, at 3 PM on a Sunday. Yeah. I think it's also representative. The thing that I love about binge and purge and I'll sum up, I'll finish up on Metallica just with this, which is, I feel like it's the end. It is truly the end of that era. Binge and purge. Woodstock 94, Metallica, and maybe they did the Antarctica concert before Load or right after it. And that's the end of that era, uh, probably before. The Antarctica, no, was it Antarctica? No, yeah, no, no. It was, um, it was Arctic Circle. Okay. It was, it was in Canada. I know what you're talking about. At that show, they debuted Devil's Dance, mm. which ended up on Reload. And two by four, which obviously was on load. Yes. And the walk was of Metallica's version of walk, basically. I'm going to die what? on this L. I don't care if that's true or not. 
two by four is amazing. It's a good riff. Good song. I actually like Devil's Dance. I like. I, I like, want them tuned to D every time. Like I like Devil's Dance a lot better from those recordings than I did. Yeah. And we can do that another time. I just did the whole deep dive on Load, and I listened to it like five times before I wrote that piece. And uh, my feeling stance doesn't really hold up as well. The reason it, the only reason it's as big as it is, is because it's Metallica after the Black Album. Oh, completely agree. And Reload is worse, actually. And completely like, agree. They didn't have any somebody should have came in the room it should have been bob rock and been like okay change the guitar sounds change all these things do different things write different types of songs leave the bad ones off though good like, yeah. leave them off i'm sorry for fans that love mama said it's not a metallica song it shouldn't be on a metallica album uh like ronnie mama's. should not be on a metallica album ronnie's um, filler but not bad it's not good though and it's that's not the bad thing. up until it's that point filler. they really didn't have a bad song disagree I, well, we can fight about this another day. Trapped Let's, under ice and escape. Those are not good tunes. Trapped under ice is great. I think escape, I know what it is and why it is. But, um, you know, they reach for the moon. And they, they That's the one. In, in fairness. <clears throat> now, and I, I didn't like the Black Album. I never really did. It's The Black Album is a Kiss album to me. It's 30, 30, 30. It's 30 great, 30 fillers, 30 shit. All right. And... No, I mean, look, I, I know that's a minority opinion, but when you, but I would say unequivocally and object, objectively, Load is definitely, that was their first album that was like, huh, this isn't, there's, this is, there's no one listening to this going, hell yeah, this is great from start well, to finish. And you know who is listening to this and saying, hell yeah, this is great from start to finish? People who don't know Metallica before. Was just they 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 were fed Metallica supposed to oh the new Metallica's here this is the big thing you're supposed to like now and people were just like oh the new Metallica I'm gonna love it and that's what I don't happened. think those people bought it I think that's why we have Godsmack and that's why we have <laughs> Stained and Disturbed and Five Finger Douche Punch like these bands you the know Load is responsible for about this. Disturbed Disturbed is <laughs> modern metal ACDC except not as good. Yeah, well, I mean, post okay, post Bon Scott. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe you and I'll do it. We will. I don't want to make. I feel bad for poor Duncan. I don't want to make him suffer through this. But maybe we'll have to make him suffer with a disturbed album just to just to get him to have to listen to it. He's probably never listened to it. And I no, I I, I'm not even doing that. (laughs) Uh, If I did do that, it would be the album he did. Oh God, he he did a solo album like ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, he looks like Megamind. In a yes, tunic. yes. I he, he yeah he. Device actually not that bad. Device. Device. He yes, co-wrote some of that with Wayne Static. Rest in peace. And uh, God, I hated Static X. I love Static yes, X. It's God not X. good. It's not good. Uh, no. Device is not good. Disturbed has got a couple of good songs, and that's it. Yeah, um, a couple of good songs. Let's. You know, let's, you're absolutely right. Load and reload is what brought us that, because all of a sudden, in all this mediocre shit that's it, it, passable it's now. It's not that. It. Yes, it kind of is. But <laughs> what I take from that is, I remember the the press on that is saying, "Oh, Metallica isn't doing metal anymore." The, you know, you saw things. It's alternative. It's, you know, mid-tempo rockers. The way Lars described it 20 years later, and, you know, take his, take his word or not, I, whatever. They were listening to a lot of Deep Purple at the time, and that's what came out, okay? Maybe plausible. I'm not saying it's real. Plausible, but. I think they, it was a combination of things. We could save that for a whole Metallica episode if you want. Yeah, um, let's, so, let's, let's. So we set, we set the bar with a live, and we're saying a box set is too much, and a couple of tracks is not enough. That's what I said. I loved. I would love a Janis Joplin live album that was a legitimate one recording of a concert. Doesn't have to be a compilation from a tour. Should there it be isn't one, one show ever? I don't think there's an official Janis. There might be bootlegs. I don't think there's an official. I'm just. Live album I'm surprised. Put out in her lifetime. So here I'm trying to oh. set a criteria as a as a musicologist in my brain. Oh, so mind, we're, we're saying in the lifetime now. Should it come out in your lifetime and some people die? Is Tom Petty's live album going to come out now and be better than any live album? I would say Jimi Hendrix's Freedom is a classic live album. But not an official release and not put out when it's official. alive. I mean... It's an official release. I don't think he was alive. 
He wasn't alive. No, it did not come out during his lifetime. Okay, so, so you know he didn't overdub it. Yeah, but you not, but you have to. There's a whole. I mean, we could do a whole bunch of episodes on how Jimi Hendrix's legacy was destroyed by. Um, Look, I have come to Alan accept Douglas. that uh, Janie Hendrix has done a lot of good and a lot of terrible when it comes to the, the Hendrix name. There was a long time where the family was not in control of the estate. I know, I know. And but here's years the thing: and years of she cut Leon out. Yeah, this is a woman who met Jimi Hendrix once in her life, claimed yeah. to be his half sister stepsister that was and cut Jimi hendrix's brother out of everything yep bought the entire hendrix tapes of everything in order to put the fake posthumous stuff out of print okay i get that in order to do it right okay mm. if you hadn't cut leon out i'm with you completely until i'm not going to grab it because i can't reach it until they put out cry of love Love Cry of Love. I love the Blues that is, Hendrix album. I yeah, love the they the out, um, they they put out the albums they bought in order to put out of print. Right to get rid. Yeah, Woodstock, the official remaster is ex- exceptional. I've not heard. Uh, it. Yeah, it's worth it. Uh, it's really worth it. It's probably worth it on vinyl. I'll be honest; like it's a, probably a vinyl, future vinyl purchase. Look, I'm I not love, saying I, I haven't given them my money many times. So who you know we who in metal? Let's let's take it off the, no, no the one. classic rock. Who has? Well, hold on. Who? <laughs> Sorry. Who does anyone have a top tier live album? Top tier live album. Are we talking you know, about sound? Or are we talking about the like, whole thing? The whole yeah. the set the set list. The sound is the packaging. One album, not a compilation, not a box. No, I take set. that back. Wait, Iron Maiden has a classic live album. It, they've never topped. I think, for reality's sake, Live After Death. Fair. Even though it's not my favorite. Live After Death is, to me, the perfect live album is an album that you can afford. You know, it isn't necessarily, you know, a box set. It isn't something... Most live albums are double CDs, at least, or now they're digital, but... I mean, a double CD is like 10 bucks, so it's... Back in the day, it wasn't. I know, I know. Back in the day, a double CD was 30 bucks. Um, you're you are a big fan up. of the Dio live album with Sabbath. That's a big yes. Live uh, Evil is that's a ten of ten. Definitely ten of ten. It's not classic, even though I think it should be. What What's the Aussie record with Gillis? Uh, Speak of the album's, Devil. That album's terrible. It's not good, but I like. It's interesting. It's interesting. Good. Yes, it's 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 awful. It's objectively awful. I think anybody who loves that album is lying. I I, I, I yeah. Uh, Ozzy does not. Ozzy has a classic album, live, live and loud. Live and loud is great. I would say it's a classic live. I didn't love all the songs on it, but overall, it's fantastic. Um, Here's here's one for you. I don't often talk about this band anymore, but let's talk about 101 Proof from Pantera because that album was at the peak of Pantera for sure. Right at during the uh, tour for Great Southern Trend Kill, Um, it's brutal great performances it's one cd it was discount priced it came out the year at like a calendar year after their big second big record in a row their third big record in a row there and it has two unreleased tracks that are magical i can't hide and where you come from which that i would album, say were on par with the, the trend kill songs I, I was not a big fan of trend kill actually uh i got into pantera when this love premiered on Headbangers Ball. That that was that was my entry point. Uh, same day, actually, the first they they premiered both TV Crimes by Black Sabbath and This Love by Pantera in the same episode. Mm. Why I can remember that uh, nearly uh, twenty nine years later, I don't know, but I do. And that I loved Driven, but when they got the Trend Kill. Trend Kill was when it started to go off the rails for me. And just for the record, the reason why I can still listen to Pantera rather than, you know, completely destroying everything they did because of what Phil's become is because of what Phil was at that time. And if you list, there are a lot of anti-racism songs. 
for sure. Songs. Um, and, I'm not gonna throw away the whole band, you know, Phil. Look, you know, look, Phil. Um, irrespective of recent times, you know, I I don't go reach for Pantera and put it on. If it comes on and I happen to be listening to it, I'm not gonna recoil. I love Dimebag Darrell. I met Vinny and Rex multiple times. I adore Pantera at one point. Obviously, you know, it's the experience is a little ruined for me, but I'm not, a, most people can separate the art from the artist and they just love who they love and they continue to support who they support. And I can't personally, but like, I'm not going to say that I don't absolutely love some Pantera. I love Vulgar Display Power is my album. Also, I love Far Beyond Driven. I had bands that covered those songs terribly. Um, the very first show I ever did that I played metal in, we did two Pantera songs. We did two Pantera songs. That's how much we love Pantera. We did Cemetery Gates and uh, I um, um, Primal Concrete Sledge. No, not that one. The other one. From but that. to actually get to your point, I a couple of years ago purchased, there was like one of the very last tours around around the time of 101 there is a concert that was released from it. And I remember seeing it in my heavy metal vinyl Facebook group. Everybody was buying it. It was like 20 bucks. Japan? What? Japan? Like Japan? Ah, I don't know. I think it was in Germany or something. Okay. And everybody was talking about how they bought it and it was being clearanced out. The great thing about vinyl kids is when it comes out, it's expensive. If they press too many, it gets cheap. And then after it sells out, it gets expensive. So be careful. Make sure you get in at just the right time. Uh, so anyway, I bought it. Like my my Bloodhound Gang, Hooray for Boobies, is now worth $150. I bought yeah. it when it opened. No, God, no. I played oh, it. Open. But not. it's actually not $150. It's actually only $120. But okay. I bought it okay. at $20 when it was being clearanced out. So just to give you an no idea. Worries. Yeah. And, I, um... So I bought that album and I remember listening to it going, ew, this is, this is clearly untouched. I mean, mm-hmm. that was definitely not, 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 but it was like, wow. Uh, whew. I maybe listened to it 10 times since I bought it like four years ago. How about um, Slayer? Does Slayer have a great live album? Decade of Aggression is actually pretty damn good, but it's not something I really hear many people caring about and that's i think i think the issue is when it comes to classic live albums there aren't really that many that would meet the level that i have Mm. but i am because you know you brought up the black sabbath album live evil that was like the first music i owned and i think that set me on the wrong path so one one to prefer dio over ozzy which well, yeah. if you like singers, you definitely prefer Dio over Ozzy. If you, well, like, I think you, know, you I, can't erase Ozzy though, and uh, no, you don't have I, Dio without Ozzy. I'm sorry, but I would rather have Dio sing Ozzy's tunes. But I, I but you know, again, but on top of that, it's it's a live album. I think a live album is great because you get a not necessarily a greatest hits, but you get an overview. Yeah, and that's fair. It, I I just don't think most people like the live album in the way that I do, and. I mean, I have four Iron Maiden live albums. I bought Dan- I bought uh, Knights of the Dead because, well, I haven't figured it out yet. Um, you don't know why. There's two songs on that album that I didn't already have on all the other ones. Ah. When, when I figure out why I bought that damn thing, I'll let you know. But I just, oh, actually, I do know why. It was there. It was there in the wild. It, it, it was one of those things where I decided, okay, I'm going to wait till it's down to 20 bucks. I got Rock and Rio and um, the the Final Frontier live album in vivo in vivo for twenty bucks a pop, and I, I bought Book of Souls at like thirty. And it, when when Knights of the Dead came out, I'm like, I'm gonna wait till this drops. It didn't drop. It sold out like on day one. And I'm like, you sons of bitches, you screwed me. And then they found and then either they repressed it or found another box. So I go to one of the local record shops and they had like eight copies of it. And they're like 35. And I'm like, you know what? Here's a card. This, this is coming home. Sergeant, um, yeah. who is a band, a modern band? So let's eschew the classic rock band. Okay. So let's put aside the, the, the Rushmore of metal and thrash and heavy metal. Let's take out Priest and take out Maiden and No Sabbath. Who is a modern metal band of any stripe that would have, if they could muster one, would would be great if they had a 
a perfect live album. How are we defining modern? Last 25 years. Last 25 years. Uh, Volbeat has an amazing live record. I only listened to it once, but it was pretty good. I'm in the Volbeat camp. I like them. A lot of people do not like them. They're just grating. Um, I like I, them, don't love them. One of my favorite bands ever is Kilgore. And the singer of Kilgore has joked on stage that, uh, you know, people come up to me and ask me if I know the band Volbeat and say that I, that, uh, that, uh, I sound like that guy. It's like, I don't sound like him. He sounds like me. <laughs> I've been around since 1995 or earlier. So uh, it's a little known band, but a former Roadrunner Records band from the 90s and early. I, do, I, I remember the name. I don't remember yeah. them, which Killer is band. a classic metal thing to say. I've heard of them, but I just haven't heard of them. I haven't really heard of them, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what other great metal bands have come out in the past like 25 years. So I, so I will say this. Um, Mastodon is an incredible live band. It's hard for them. They did a Crack the Sky live, which I felt was impossible, similar to The Wall very hard to replicate live and the first leg of that tour they really really tried they brought a keyboard player out with them they sang as well as they could sing and then every time i saw them do crack the sky for like the rest of the year and i followed that band around and saw them many times on that because crack the sky is when maybe one of my top 10 records ever and uh they couldn't do it because it was just too, they went out of themselves to create this masterwork and they really couldn't replicate it live night in and night out as would anyone have a hard time doing this. Mastodon, I wouldn't mind them trying another live album at some point because they have so many bangers, so many classic stuff. They don't really play their classic early stuff anymore from the relapse era when they really became a thing. Um, and this is a band that I saw like in a club in Queens in, in like 2002. And I would love I would love a Black Dahlia Murder live record. Yes, a Black Dahlia Murder live record would be sick. Um, I have didn't love the Cannibal Corpse attempts at a live thing. Never they, heard them. They, yeah, one the one that they did put out. Uh, it's good. I mean, like they're they're um again retrospective box set for their 25th anniversary has a whole live thing on it, which is amazing, but. I feel like the live thing hasn't really done them justice yet. I think they need to do like a full production, like a Slayer well, would do. I mean, can you be? Can you honestly name a a good? It doesn't have to be classic, <clears throat> but can you name a good death metal live record? These death remasters are pretty freaking amazing. Or I should say, some of them are just first runs. So death that recorded like every show apparently. So you know, relapse and. Uh, Eric Reif are putting out this legacy death releases and a lot of soundboard stuff. And I heard the LA one and it's pretty freaking killer. That's the uh, human lineup, I think. Mm -hmm. Correct me out there if I'm wrong. And uh, so, you know, just like the top tier talent in the world ever. And if you love the band Death, this is for you. Uh, but yeah, there are not a lot of great, uh, the Behemoth, um, that was a DVD Blu-ray. I don't think they've really quite put an album out but maybe a live release of The Satanist would be pretty killer. Uh, again, another unpopular, talking about all the unpopular people, but to drive your channel popularity way down with Philip and uh, Nergal. Um, but um, um, I think Gojira right now, it, it's would, unfortunate because the new bands coming up that I would love, you know, uh, you know, metal bands that I, I've grown to love over the past few years, you've got Slow, who are an amazing doom metal band. You've got Un, who are, again, another amazing doom metal band. Mournful Congregation, uh, Cultist de Goulet, an amazing blackish thing. I don't know what they even are. And I think for the most part, most bands nowadays are spending so much time perfecting their records because they can. That to make an amazing live album is going to be a dicey proposition going back to your Mastodon example. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, also, after seeing the live stream Baroness did last summer, I'm, I might be inclined to say I would love a live Baroness album, especially uh, now. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, actually, I can't remember who told me, but uh, I, I had gotten off the Baroness train after Purple. Mm. And I was told, get back on, get back yeah, on. Really? Gray. I think I'm the one who told you to go get Golden Gray. And you know, you maybe sorry, but it's it's sitting on the shelf, and it's 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 amazing. 
They, yeah, it's so good. And um, yeah, I'm, I, they have apparently three albums worth of material ready to go that not, they've been writing during the pandemic. Not shocking. I mean, these guys put out double records like, you know, like they're waking up. So, uh, you know who I don't want a live album from? Buckethead. Bumblefuck. Uh, Billy Sheehan on anything, even though I think he's brilliant. Actually just... saw Buckethead a few years ago and watching him on YouTube is amazing. But then when you go see him, you don't know what he's playing and what's because when you're watching it on YouTube, it's all from the same speaker and you know you just don't care. But then you're like paying 30 bucks to see him and you're like, wait a minute, what's Buckethead and what's that tape? And why are these 1500 douchebags got cell phones in my face? No problem. Uh, that's fair. Uh, here's, here's another, uh, rando question for you. Um, uh, probably should wind this down soon, but, um, do you think the live streams can replace or should replace the live album? No. Will they? No, no. I, it, not for me anyway, but I'm old and stuck in my ways. I, still believe that music sounds best out of a two-channel stereo system. Um, We are getting closer to the idea of that being able to replace a live album because, you know, when when I was growing up, if you knew someone who had a stereo connected to their television, that was amazing. So the vast majority of the time I watched my Metallica VHS tapes were at the house I lived in with my father and stepmother, and it was me watching these Metallica videos that have such an amazing dynamic range through a two inch television speaker from 1979, not even from the eighties or nineties, but I mean, it was, a, so it sounded like garbled ass. It, it, it sounded like the horn of Gondor, which is what I call my farts now. And the being able to use my phone to stream to my, te- my main television through my 5.1 stereo system. I mean, is it appealing? Yes. Have I done it? No. And I don't know why I I have not gotten in on the live stream kind of thing as like a pay for kind of thing. And I I feel guilty about that, but I also then look at how many damn records I bought in the past year and a half. And I don't feel guilty anymore. I would tell you this, this is, you know, we've covered a fair amount of live streams. I am getting, I, I don't know about the, major player tag that you gave me and the news and journals. I'm grateful that anyone pays attention to me. Um, same, same. I feel that way too. I feel like there's a groundswell effect. A lot of these bands know they're going to do a second one when they're doing the first one. Sometimes it's a one-off. They don't do these in the first place unless they know they can use one to promote another thing. So Melvin's did one and they had a bunch planned. And they're going to do more still till they can go tour safely. They probably will not tour this year, I think. Um, they're going to just do another bunch of live streams. And they're having a good time doing them. They do them very short, a little at a time. And it's a mix of them hanging out and bullshitting and 30 minutes of music tops. Well, so, what do you think is an appropriate price point for that kind of thing? I have seen some live streams that were five bucks. I have seen some that were 35 bucks. Um Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. He came down. Hey. This is Gigi. He really, uh, yeah, G, is that a she? He. He? Is it like Gigi Allen? No, you're not the first person to say that. Gigi from Kiki's Delivery Service, the uh, studio Ghibli film. Sure. Okay, that, that makes more Gigi. sense. Yeah, uh, no Gigi Allen, please. Thank you. Another uh, one. Also- oh, we're just getting banned today. Nick and Keefe get banned. That's the name of this uh, band. Uh, Gigi, in Japanese, Gigi means old man. Sure. And okay. he is the second black cat we had since we lost our, our mm. black kitten last year. So it, it's also kind of like get old, not like, unlike, you know, get old for Floyd. So nice. Um, Sorry. I, I, what I, is, I what is, yeah, I think 10 to 15 bucks, 20 bucks is a good live stream amount. Um, depends also on the production. So Amigo the Devil did a concert by himself in a cave last weekend <laughs> or recorded it and then broadcasted it. him alone in a cave with a banjo guitar and amp and a microphone. And that's it. Um, Seven Dust has done a series of live streams from a studio in Florida with like their stage set up. So fucking fire rains down, drips down on Morgan Rose 
and there's laser lights and smoke and the smoke. And a sim- so in a similar way to what Metallica did for the drive-in. Kind of what Metallica did for the drive-in. I mean, Metallica's thing for the drive-in might have been less expensive than the Salesforce thing that probably Salesforce paid for. But the Salesforce thing from their headquarters where they brought in all this tech, um, I don't know if you're probably not the demographic, but this Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes last year put on one of the best live streams I saw. It was them in a live theater stage space, but then they also had multiple cameras on dollies rotating around them and giving the fans like a literally you could mouse around and watch a 360 degree oh. different directions different camera angles different like almost the director's cut dvd while nice. it was live nice. and then the band played to the moving cameras. sometimes they would just get it like just follow along the camera and that's not going to translate as well on here at all i just realized but anyway <laughs> um so some of these have been magical uh, stp in their tiny rehearsal room the size of this bedroom playing all of purple in one shot with a little bit of intercut interviews. Beautiful. So like some of these have been wonderful. Um, you know, uh, you're a member of the press. Uh, you shouldn't be too ashamed to reach out. And if you are interested in a review, most of them will give you a free code. And then I will buy merch, by the way. So like if I'm given a free code, this like, first of all, I love Amigo the Devil. It's one of my favorites. I just interviewed him. I reviewed his album personally. That's how much I like him. And I was like, oh, he has a bathrobe. Okay, I can't afford a bathrobe, Amigo the Devil bathrobe, but I kind of want this bar towel. So like, I want to still support the artists. And I'm, and honestly, like, even when we go back to shows, I'm probably going to, you know, as much as we get offered to go cover things, I still buy a lot of merch. I'm still going to support the venues, buy beers. I'm still, if I'm not drinking, I'll buy a beer for someone else. Every artist. Every show I go to, I buy something. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I don't know what it's going to be like when things return back to normal, but in the past I could have gone to two or three shows, even in, you know, my shitty town for concerts. Cause you know, people hit two of KC, St. Louis and Chicago. And it's, you know, Chicago is not the one that's ever skipped. So work that out. And, and I'm, I mean, I get it, but every time I'd buy a shirt, you know, I'm going to buy three or four beers. I'm going to, pick up a button, whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to support the acts that even, you know, even unless I don't have any damn money, which has, has also been the case, but then I, I still get beers, but you know, which I know from what I, from what I have heard me buying beer, at the venue also helps out the band. So. Indeed. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've never gone for free, which yeah, has well. actually been a, a great source of consternation between well. my wife and myself. Cause she's like, that's supposed to be free entertainment yeah but i need nothing is free there's still work to be done um you know you remind me very much of uh don from the great southern brain fart who also has the kind of same philosophy where he can get in free but he doesn't know he pays a lot of times to go and loves the band still loves the music doesn't want to feel like he's not supporting them but that said if there's a band and, and i mean like also here's the thing if a like you mentioned all these underground bands earlier um there is no real ticket buy for the underground band that just lets you in. They're really just letting you in. They're making the decision. You, they have five spots to give that night and they give one to you because you're going to review the show or interview right. the band or hang out. So you are helping them. It's a symbiotic relationship. They're not, it's not like I'm going to see Seven Dust and Seven Dust had to pay Live Nation for 40 tickets um you know for this week of shows in atlanta because they're from there and they have to give tickets out to their friends and family and they had to pay for those out of their money I didn't know i'm getting one uh there's it's called the ticket buy-on and i'm gonna tell you that i have i'm trying to be blunt with people and my own staff diminish your expectations if it was hard to get tickets to cut like a, to get a ticket and a photo pass is a holy grail first of all you have to have permission and sometimes you have to sign a contract which gives away a lot of, you know, it's kind of a little grabby. And some of the contracts that are a rights grab, I just in general don't recommend anybody sign them if they feel like you are giving too much power over to them. You know, there's a lot of debate on if your image of a band is your work as an artist or it's theirs because it's them. And the bands feel like it's their IP because it's their and it's them. But I feel like it's a work of art created by a person. And you are getting that for free to use. I am also. So I don't agree. I think artists need to get paid too. Photographers should get paid. Granted, I have a volunteer operation at Ghost Call. We make a little bit of money, not a lot, not really enough. But um, well, if I if I paint Kiss, they're not gonna they're not gonna ask me for royalties. 
No. But if you take a Same. photo of them while they're live, you absolutely cannot be in the photo pit for them without signing a contract that says Kiss. Right. And I'm saying my best Gene Simmons voice. Kiss owns your image in perpetuity through any uh, changes. Uh, there's a clause in these contracts that says any future platforms that are not created yet where this image could be, they own it on it. Wow. So I, mean, I, I will say, though, we my my somebody that used to write for glacially musical back when glacial musical was a serious you know writing blogging concern um got really hosed by a band he 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 didn't get in on he wasn't guested and i always recommended against paying for content but I, i don't think as a member of the press we should pay for content if you want our reviews, if you want our whatever, you need to put us on the list so we can be impartial. That That's is fair. But I think what's hap- what's going to happen because of social distancing and restrictions, but also the loss of income I, this I whole know. time, I think there's going to be the next year's opportunities. Different. There's definitely going to be a lot of people who quit writing blogs and quit writing reviews and quit shooting shows because they're going to get told no a bunch right now. Like, no, I, if you want to buy a ticket, you can get a photo pass. Uh, most people are not going to do that. Right. Um, and we I love the review, but we can give you a discounted ticket. Most people who write blogs do it for love, not for pay. Right. And, they, and, and I even goes cold. I am not in the Rushmore of greatest metal sites. So if I have someone in New York City, and as are all the main, you know, revolvers there, Metal Sucks, Metal Injection, they're all based in Metal Insider all based in New York City, as well as Rolling Stone, as well as regular, just the press, as well as Brooklyn Vegan, as well as Consequences Sound, the biggest music website in the world, next to Metal Hammer in terms of heavy music, are unbelievably. So like, if you're in London, it's probably the same thing. So just like, if you're hearing this in the sound of my voice, dial down your expectations, at least right now for the next year. I have been told by multiple record label and publicity people at mid to major levels, the lists are going to be smaller. The selection is going to be even harder and you are going to get told no and you cannot, you should not go bitch about it in public if you're mad. Keep it to yourself. Cry to your friends. Cry on your pillow. Wait till next year. Go to a festival. Maybe you'll get to shoot the band you want to shoot. A lot And a lot of people who didn't do anything this whole break, which no disrespect if you just kind of sat back and were like, there's nothing to do. I'm not going to do any work. I guarantee you, I was already been asked to me, I, like someone was like, I see how hard you're working. You guys are doing as much as ever and there's nothing to do. I was like, well, I felt like there was always something to do and it was there always nothing is. to do. But some people felt like, well, I can't function this way. So I'm not going to create anything, which is fine. I'm not judging you. Also, people have real life problems and family members that died and shit happened. So like, I respect that. But I'm just saying, like, I think for us, it's definitely going to dwindle. You still, if you're not getting... You should definitely pursue your words are valuable. Your reviews are important. And I feel like um, I I'm on your wife's side about this. If you want to get into a show, you shouldn't be afraid to ask to get in. You might uh, get to a though. I haven't decided what I'm doing because I, I have moved the, the Glacial Musical brand through the podcast more because I, I think what I do works better as a podcast than it is a blog just my personal opinion when it comes to reviews however i'm not going to do a podcast about that you know concert reviews and i i haven't decided but i i do want to go i just want to go back to the story i was telling because i just sure, I'm sure. my my ocd's caught it and it's got to go out go and so my buddy my guy took a bunch of photos amazing photos of a band who i will not name on the podcast mm-hmm. if you want to ask later that's fine and the lead singer continually shared on Facebook, his photos and would say to him, don't worry, I'm going to share, I'm going to share your post soon. I'm going to share your post soon. And this was, you know, for metal anyway, you know, I would say a good, strong B plus band, you know, lots of followers. And she shared probably 30 of his photos on their Facebook page. They, they shared, I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's, it's, and I just, remember seeing those because it's it's a band i loved and i just remember seeing those and every time i saw them i just was like you you, you but you can't share our link gene simmons or shared our they, link did they tag the what did they tag the photographer yes Have they it? tagged the photographer okay so that's half well no they didn't least. tag but they mentioned his name but they so it's not there's no tagging nothing 
It just like you know, yeah, that's, Danny that Nichols grinds my gears a little bit. And grinds my gears. Pantera put my interview with Rex Brown, which was fairly combative. Uh, because I, in fairness, it was my fault. Completely my fault. I, Rex, I, I didn't know. It was like my second or third in-person interview. And I didn't know. I, I, I didn't know the, the etiquette. Okay. And I breached, I breached the he's etiquette. He's kind of surly, though. He is surly. I love I, Rex, but he's kind of surly. I breached, well, and I breached the etiquette immediately. That's fair. Okay. I, I, remember, I, I, remember that Rex is a guy who co-wrote his memoirs with a guy and then refuted the memoir. Yeah, so he, like, he, he told me that in the interview. He told me that in the interview. Well, like, maybe that was your interview. That was a big famous interview with him where uh, he said, he, he said, don't like, believe none of that's true. I didn't mean any of it. He said, don't believe everything you read in that book. It has your name uh, on it. How could you approve this? You approved I was complimenting it. the book because I thought it was a really yeah. good one. Eglinton, who co-wrote that, is a marvelous fucking writer, by the way. I yeah, mean, we were, we, we talked a bit, I love quite a bit on Twitter for he's a while. He's on Twitter. Yep, he's a wonderful Wonderful yeah. writer and the Headfield book, he's a max book. Love that guy. Rex, I uh, love you, but you're a buffoon. But yes, I I I I broke the etiquette and he was a little surly. It, I mean, when you read it, it doesn't sound combative. It's just when you when I listen back, I'm like, uh, but it but Pantera <laughs> shared it. Gene Simmons shared our interview. And I mean, you know, it's it's Glacier Music has a blog spot address, and it makes me look low class. I don't, you know, I, I that's not lost on me. But what is lost on people who think it think it is low class is I don't code. It's 99% of what you've ever seen on those pages are just me trying to find time to put it in, get it out and do whatever. And I, I do the best I can with what I've got. And I, I try to use my words to make the point. And stuff. I, I'm a fan. Um Sorry, your friend got screwed. I'm sorry you got screwed inadvertently. I do want to know who this artist is. I have a hunch. I think I know who it is. But um, you might have mentioned it once before. We'll find out. Um, is there anything to close up with? I need to go make dinner, and I drank this entire bottle of water, and now I need to piss. I understand. Yes. I will. I, uh, <laughs> I, I will say, just you know, personally, I'm a giant fan of the live album, and for especially in a, in a modern day when artists are financing what they do more and more when they're not on the you know the big 10 labels it is a great way to get your music out there and to put your best foot forward and i just want to see i want to see more and more live music on vinyl or on cd or on digital or whatever just remember it's it's like a greatest hits but easier or but better i guess i should say Nice. Well, very well said, my friend. This was a lot of fun. As usual, we go off on tangents, but they're all good ones. I agree. And Keefe, again, you know, it's and like I said before this, it's the, the greatest thing about the pandemic, which I, I feel like both of us have been, you know, kicked in the junk pretty, pretty well over the, the course of the last year and a half. But one of the greatest things about the pandemic for me, the only probably great thing, is that it really helped expand our friendship and we really got to know each other a whole lot better. And I, I feel like you're one of my friends a lot more than you're just one of those guys on the internet that I see. And I, I greatly fine. appreciate that. I feel the same about you and uh, let's keep it up post pandemic. Let's keep it going strong and not just these with chin wags, but um, the metal friendships are forever. Maybe Most someday definitely. we'll get to a show together. It would be pretty neat. If, if Nick ever comes back to America, I might have to travel to go see it. Mm, maybe we'll figure and, it out yeah man be well be safe keep keep it up and uh yeah we'll, we'll get you on the interwebs we'll Sounds chat great. there and thank you everybody for listening this is the glacial musical podcast it doesn't play in peoria <laughs>